Well, it's, we said in the Almanac, said it, it took Jay-Z like seven years to make it. Well, he won't have that luxury in Carolina because he's out after two years in five games. What were your initial thoughts and your initial reaction when you heard that this morning? I, I, I'm just remembering that Jay-Z quote. Oh, my God. That's, just, that's a flashback. You know, there are people who are good at getting the job. There are people who are good at keeping the job. And there are people who are good at doing the job. Those are three different skills. Some are great at all three. Some are great at two, two out of three. Matt Rule was great, great at getting the job. He got the job. He got the seven-year contract. The other two things, eh, not so much. And yeah, I, I, to, to tell you a story, to, to not to, to diverge too much, you know, when the hiring cycle happened and the Giants were looking for the coach and they wound up with Judge and the, the Panthers got Rule, all the scuttlebutt coming from the higher-ups, the, the, the insiders, was Rule's the man, Rule's the man, Rule's the guy. And I, I was hearing this from, from you know, some pretty – influential people mm-hmm. I'm like okay i'm looking up his his background I'm like okay he turned baylor around he turned i remember him temple he turned temple around mm-hmm. these are small mid-major programs i don't see where the leap is and so i was like okay but these guys are telling me rules the man so later on i'm at the senior bowl and matt rules everywhere he's at this bar he's at that restaurant he's at mm-hmm. i talked to him chit chat with him he's very friendly he's affable with me and the other reporters then again another place then at the combine he's around he's a hell fellow woman shaking hands shook hands with him a couple times talked to him in the back of my mind i kept up thinking is this why everyone says he's the man because he's out there he's out there all the time and he, he's made he's made friends and he's talked to him like i'm gonna give this guy the benefit of the doubt because i had a drink with him you know at uh, at mobile um now looking back at it i think that might have been what it was <laughs> that, that he was outstanding at telling everybody he was the next big thing, getting his name out there, glad-handing, schmoozing. And that's what he was good at. And I'm not sure what else he was good at after two after two and a half years as a head coach. Yeah, and you mentioned he got the seven-year contract having not been a head coach in the NFL before just based on what he did in college. It's, it seems like it seemed at the time even a big contract for a guy who didn't even know if he was going to be a good head coach. Like you said, just was a did a good job at getting the job. He yeah. did take over a team. I looked it up before we hopped on here. 29th overall in DVOA, 27th in offense, 26th in defense that, that year before he was there. The offense was better the first year, but it was still just average. They were 31st last year. They're 31st this year. The trade for Sam Darnold clearly did not work. Uh, the worst quarterback ever through four seasons in uh, DYR. Uh, our stats there. The, neither did the trade for Baker, but he also kind of messed up that whole Baker situation. Yes. Uh, they make the trade for him July 6th, I think it was we said. And didn't really go about the QB competition the correct way, saying, hey, both these guys are going to compete. They both get first-team reps in the preseason. Like Mayfield was acquired to be the man, and he didn't let him be the man until, what, a week before the regular season started, two weeks before, something like that. Right. Uh, not that you know Mayfield was the savior and the answer there. He really hasn't looked that good uh, right. at all. But he went about that the wrong way, and just really nothing that they've done has been good. They started off really hot last year. We're like number one in DVOA defensively through three games, but they played nobodies. And then they came crashing down. Um, I think that that it was his first year. Maybe it was the year before he came in where they started off really well and then lost like their last eight games. Just Mm -hmm. nothing's really gone right in Carolina the last few years since Matt Rule's been there. So not a surprise to see him be the first one fired this year at all. No, and and useful title points out. He fired Joe Brady. Joe Brady was coming in to unlock Sam Darnold. And there was friction early on. I don't think Brady was doing a phenomenal job. But there was friction. He gets fired. There's all kinds of stories coming out really over the last couple of weeks of the friction between the defensive assistants. When you watch that defense, it seems like guys aren't 
lined up where they, they could be used best. You see, you see Brian Burns dropping into coverage. You see all kind of goofy stuff like that. Sounds like there was friction, and it was like who had Matt Rule's ear? That was the person who made the decision. When you hear a lot of stuff like that, it's just, it's transcending like bad quarterback play, bad quarterback trades, bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And there's like something deeper going on that like this team is just not being run in a fundamentally sound way. And that's all the scuttlebutt we got really after that first season about Matt Rule. Yeah, so – We'll see. They'll be they're the first ones to be looking for a coach. It's early, so I imagine that will come in the offseason, obviously. Uh so we'll see what Carolina does. Sometimes you see a new coach come in or an interim coach come in and kind of rejuvenates them and they get a big win or two here and there. But um, not really, you know, a ton to like about Carolina. I don't think anyone's expecting them to turn it around and make the playoffs. But no, it really can't get much worse. <laughs> they are currently the football outsiders' favorite through DVOA and our projections to be on the clock, number one with the first overall pick. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of that turnaround, they've got the Rams in Los Angeles, followed by the Buccaneers. I don't think that bump's coming anytime soon. No, not at all. And you mentioned uh, favorite to be the first-round pick. I think um, uh, Aaron had said no other team. They're at 28.5%. No other team is over 12%. So that is wow. uh, pretty amazing <laughs> so far. So it's not looking great. So moving on now to what was originally our big lead and what was the surprise of yesterday, the Packers loss over in their London debut uh, to the Giants was really rough. Like we were talking beforehand, a rough start to the morning was exciting to get out, watch a game, an NFL game, a team, you know, watch your team at 9.30 a.m. And to lose it was a rough start of the day before any other team even played. You were saying you went out with some of these soccer these soccer guys who mm -hmm. nine in the morning getting a couple drinks for a soccer guy in the United States of America. That's like what they do. Yeah, one of one of my best friends is a big uh, Tottenham fan, and so there's a bar here in Louisville that does uh, that they'll open up for the games in the morning. So a lot of people go up there, even though seven thirty games. They said the bartender will, like post on their message board like, "Hey, who's coming up? If we have enough. I'll open the bar at seven thirty. And they also are the Packers bar in town, so they've got the Lambo loft. Uh, which is the upstairs room they use for primetime games. Yesterday was just down in the bar. It was a good turnout, though. A lot of Packers fans, uh, I can tell you, a lot of excitement in the beginning that turned into groan after groan after groan as the game went on. And, I mean, we talk about, you know, how how worried we are about these teams sometimes. I mean, back-to-back -back yeah. win and a loss against New England and then the Giants losing in regulation. The defense has really been concerning. They're dead last in late and close DVOA, which is second half in overtime within the games within eight points, 29th and second half DVOA, and then 23rd overall. Just a, a, a team or a, a unit that I really thought with all the picks that they have and the young guys that just a ton of talent would make that leap into elite territory. You know, this year had showed some signs before, and they were a popular pick to do that as well. Has, has not gone well, but the offense really hasn't done a ton to help them at times. They struggled in the second half. So they scored zero points yesterday against what was the 25th or what is the 25th ranked defense or 25th in the second half. The one thing I noticed, there was a lot of short passes from Rodgers. He missed a handful of deep throws. His average completion this year is 3.7 yards. Has never been below 5.3 since the tracking began in 2018. If I pulled that from uh, pro football reference. So, their game is just, he's just not doesn't have you know Devonte to go deep. Romeo Dubs has, has the speed, but they weren't mm -hmm. able to connect. And I was making the joke yesterday, you know he, he's out overthrowing these guys a little bit, missing throws. And the complaint from Rogers is going to be, oh well, the receiver needs to be faster there. They need to put in some work during the week to get fast. <laughs> I, I, I used to play, ahead. I used to play touch football with a guy who would overthrow everybody by ten yards and be like, yeah, I overestimated your speed. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> Dude, don't turn your inability to play 
touch football quarterback into I'm fat and slow. Stop yeah. doing that. But you're right. And and I haven't looked it up yet. But in terms of leverage situations, like we see Dobbs involved early. I know mm-hmm. Watson's been in and out of lineup injury wise. If it's leverage time, if it's third and long, I mean, he, he it's Lazard and Cobb and maybe Tanya yeah. doesn't trust these other guys, doesn't look to them. They get the either like the little first down RPO type thing mm-hmm. or they'll take a shot or they're the kid who gets overthrown. You can't sustain that. You can't yeah. sustain it because opponents are going to realize, okay, we know exactly where the ball is going to go on these downs. We can we can rotate our schemes. Yeah, and I'm they, at the end of the day though, looking at this too. Still, you know, kind of asked, you know, how worried I was this morning, kind of to talk about this. They are still just one game back of Minnesota. They're one game ahead of Chicago in the division. Detroit's down there with just one win. They're a game of the head of the field in the wild card right now. They have the seventh seed. Uh, obviously, a lot of football left to play, but they're ahead of teams like the Rams, the Saints, and the Cardinals that. I don't really have a ton of trust in. I do. I've kind of been been on the side of the Rams getting it together, but they just. It looks like Cooper Cup is the only guy on that team that Matt Stafford trusts. Speaking of trust, there that, that <laughs> right, that's the ball. I still believe they can get it together. I'm a little worried. I've said a couple of times, and I said it in our staff predictions that I picked them as my Super Bowl pick from the NFC because I kind of was seeing it as that Tampa Bay Brady in his first year there, kind of mm-hmm. taking time to gel, and then by the end of the season, but. It's they've had some moments, but then they don't. So it's a struggle. I'm a little worried, but I still think they they've got the talent. They're on both sides that they can can get it together uh, with enough time left. If we were sitting at week 14, and you know they were hanging on to that seventh seed, and they were looking like this, I'd be worried. But I still think they can they can make it. Uh, do you? Obviously, they they still are capable of making the playoffs. Are you sold? Uh, or are you selling them? Or are you buying Green Bay as being able I- to get this stuff together? Uh, they'll get their stuff together degree. They're a playoff team. It's the NFC. You're a playoff team if you've got Aaron Rodgers and he's healthy. Uh, they got the Jets and the Commanders over the next two weeks. So that's two winnable. I mean, the Jets are pretty darn good right now, but like that's a winnable game. This should be a 2-0 run for the Packers, especially coming back from uh, from London in the mood they're going to be in. I think as the season goes on, we'll see more of Dobbs, Watson, and a more diversified mm-hmm. passing game. The Bakhtiari left tackle situation where he's rotating, I don't know what the story is with that, but that should settle itself out and get better. I think this defense is what it is. I think this defense was full of offseason helium. I didn't understand why people – I know that Devondre Campbell and Russell Douglas had really good years last year. Yep. They're Russell Douglas and Devondre Campbell. These aren't 23-year-old discoveries. These are veterans that were available off the scrap heap. I know Preston Smith played well. We know he's on the downside. Haven't seen a lot of Quay Walker. Again, he was one of the five best guys on Georgia's defense, and that's yep. how he's playing right now. This is my is what it's going to be, and the offense has to get back on track and be an Aaron Rodgers offense for them to be more than, oh, my God, a wild card team because they wind up stuck behind the Vikings. Yeah, and you mentioned that Green Bay's got the Jets and Commanders. The Vikings have – they go to Miami uh, next week, and then the, in two weeks after that, they've got the Cardinals. Uh, they have their bye, and then the Cardinals. So a chance for the backers to gain some ground, maybe take the lead over the next three weeks or so. But uh, the way they're playing, it's not great, and Minnesota is looking pretty good right now. Uh, did have the close game against Chicago. But you mentioned NFC. It's kind of wide open. And looking at the NFC East, it <laughs> uh, looks like the best division in football, just like we all predicted this year. First question from, from the East – is on Michael Parsons. He had the dominant year last year, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, is he your defensive player of the year so far this year? Well, I'm not going to bet it. And here's why I'm not going to bet it. He's at plus 100. All right, so there's no there's no meat on the, on the bone there. Right. But 
what but if I was saying who who would I pick, who would I vote? It's going yep. to be Mike Parsons right now. Um, because of not just the impact he's had in terms of his personal sacks, but him and Tank Lawrence and Dante Fowler and the combined effort of that Cowboys front four pass rush is what's keeping the Cowboys a playoff team right now. So yeah, Nick Bosa would also be a candidate. There's some other candidates along the way for defensive player of the year. What Parsons is doing is on a different level right now. Yeah. He's on pace to surpass his total from last year in tackles for loss, QB hits and sacks. He has six already. He had, and that's at a pace of 16 that he played last year when I was Looking at that, he had 13 sacks total last year. But he just, like you kind of alluded to with the, just that whole defense, he dominates the game, you know, even more than the box score shows a lot of times. You know, he gets the production, but he just, it, it's, we see teams just not account for him and leave him unblocked, which I don't, obviously they don't scheme to say, hey, let's take our chances and let this guy come off. He's just so good and so hard to keep track of and, and to contain just, kind of a, a different breed it seems like right. and it's definitely like you said the favorite sitting there at plus 100 um i think it's his to lose um tj watt if he was to he had that awesome game one it's really a shame that he had the injury he'll be back but i think it's going to be pretty hard for him to make up the ground so i i would definitely say he's my favorite Marco parsons to win that tj watt is the favorite of the people who say well he should be the mvp because since he's gone the team is terrible now, and that proves how awesome T.J. Watt is. It's like, yeah, that's great. That's that's phenomenal. But, but like Peyton but right Manning now, when hit the year he missed in Indy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he should be the MVP for this year. Okay, contrarian arguments are cute. Welcome to the freshman dorm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, right now it's Parsons plus one hundred, Nick Bosa plus six hundred, Miles Garrett back from uh, the the car wreck mm-hmm. at plus a thousand, and then some familiar faces along the way. It, it, there's just it, it's a runaway right now. Uh, just like the, it looks like comeback player of the year is a runaway for Saquon at minus two twenty. It looks like it's a runaway right now for Micah for defensive player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And useful title talking about the NFC it says NFC beast so far this season. It was just two years ago. I think we were calling the NFC least. So it's been, yeah. been a big turnaround. Part of that is because what the Giants have done. Now, yeah. speaking of Coach of the Year awards and defensive player of the year, is Brian Dable coach of the year so far and how far do you think the Giants can go I would first of all probably pick Brian Dayball right now mm-hmm. and I would probably bet Brian Dayball at plus 600 yep. he's behind Nick Sirianni at plus 150 I think if the Eagles have this phenomenal year because it's Sirianni's second year not his first because so much of the story is Jalen Hurts and this team and everything else I don't think that Sirianni is going to get a lot of action mm-hmm. I think Dayball wins the award if he gets to nine and eight he gets to nine and eight. And I think the Giants can get to nine and eight, not because they're phenomenal. I believe they've come in at number 21 right now on DVOA. So they're working their way up the pack here. Uh, But because they are solid, they're fundamentally sound, and their schedule is very manageable. They've got games coming up like their two Washington Commander games that you can kind of put in the back pocket as potential wins, Mm -hmm. and they can get healthier. And it doesn't take much in the NFC to be able to put together a run and land at a, a, a at a place like nine and eight, they've got the Texans coming up. They've got the Lions coming up. There's a lot of wins like that. Uh, the, the Seahawks, I think, might fall back to earth a little bit. Yep. I don't think the Giants are great, but they're a potential playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. They they had the lowest projection in the league. They were the favorite yep. for first overall pick. They've already got four wins. The team feels different. I believe they're a better team than what we projected. You said they're rising up the ranks in DVOA. But I, I don't think they can go – they can really go that far. Um, I wouldn't bet them to make the playoffs at this point. I think okay. um, it could be – good. I don't know what the odds are uh, out there uh, 
didn't pull that up, but I just, Daniel Jones, only 24th in DYR DVOA. He needs to be better. Um, they've done the, you could say too, they've got four wins with him not playing well, right. uh, but the defense <laughs> only 25th. They faced the Titans who are, have the 18th best offense, Carolina, 31st in offense, Dallas only 17th, Chicago 29th, all prior to that Green Bay game. So haven't really faced any great offenses right now um, and have still given up some points there, like we said, only 25th in defense so far. Um, We will see you mention some wins on the schedule, but the next few weeks they've got Baltimore at home, at Jacksonville, at Seattle, who could come down. It'll be a tough three weeks, but I think we can learn a lot. We've learned a lot so far. I think we can learn even more, especially Jacksonville had that bad loss on Sunday. Um, But the next three weeks I think will tell us just how good they they are i think it can be yeah and the thing is you're, you're they don't have the horses even if they get everybody back healthy getting people back healthy is like sterling she- shepherd and Kadarius tony and all it's not like oh, they're gonna get you know tyreek hill back and and, and debo samuel uh but again it, you look at the nfc and you look at teams like the bears they're not going to stick around the falcons mm-hmm. are not going to stick around yeah. the giants could just linger playing this particular brand of football also ccx3 just asked a question that I hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. And that is, does Ron Rivera last the season? Mm-hmm. Got a one and four commanders team. They've got the Wentz factor, obviously, but they're playing poorly really in all three phases right now. And that's a question worth exploring. Yeah. I, he's been, Rivera's been there. What? Four years, five four years, years now, I think. Yeah, I haven't really, they've had like quarterback issues with injuries and stuff, but they, yeah. you know, they haven't, been great. Taylor Heineke had the, the big playoff game a few years ago that took the Bucks to the wire. But yeah, I mean they're they're not impressing anybody. They're not not really inspiring a lot of confidence. I don't think moving forward. Um, so that is a really good question. Where or did you have say you had the coaches to be fired odds or was that just coach of the year? You said you would have. Of the year. Uh, yeah, my, my my preferred sports book doesn't do the slightly ghoulish next guy no. fired <laughs> odds. I respect that decision. Look, the guy who just got fired. Is walking away with forty million dollars in his pocket. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shed any tears uh, for Matt Rule, right. but they don't do that kind of odds. We don't have that there. It is the fourth season for Ron Rivera. You're right. He's never had a quarterback situation made sense. He had Zombie Alex Smith, Tyler Heineke. Now he's got Wentz in there. Some other issues along the way. I think he lasts the season mm-hmm. if for no other reason than there's been no track laid to replace him. Yep. Like usually when it comes time where a team is thinking about making it a change, uh, the Ben McAdoo appears like, Oh, here's your new offensive coordinator. He's a guy who coached in the NFL for a couple of years. So if we have to fire you, he can get mm-hmm. us to eight games. None of that's been done. And of course I respect Ron Rivera. We all respect Ron Rivera. At some point, this is the commanders. This team is run by Dan Snyder. They don't care about respect. They're going to look at results. And like I said that that quarterback is a pretty well notorious coach killer. And he has a way of evaporating the self I mean, the, the positive vibes and the esteem a coach builds up over the years. Yeah, and hey, Wentz had the big week one, and we were kind of all thinking, hey, is he going to have a good year and, and keep them competitive? And then it's gone downhill from there. <laughs> right, right, right. By the way, CCX3 but, says Rivera's fifth entering the week behind Hackett. Hackett is now the favorite, I guess, with mm-hmm. rule out. And then Cliff, Bell, Cliff Kingsbury, who they just extended, so they're going to wait to the end of the year, right. and then Rick. Yeah, and then we see Jim here says, does the Washington organization need Rivera more to fill the competent professional stick out front as the face of the franchise and the coaching role? Because we all know what a, a dumpster fire that franchise is. You mentioned Dan Snyder. Uh, they just really can't do anything right, won't do anything right. Right. Yeah, Rivera's the Captain America shield out in front. Yep. Like, Don't criticize what's happening right here. 
aim it up here, and that that does have that does have value. And mm-hmm. and a guy like Dan Snyder, because he's skeezy, knows that has value. So yeah. it's like, oh, this is good from a PR standpoint. I'm going to leave this guy here. So you don't want Ron Rivera keeping his job because of that, but that that that's a potential factor. Yeah, and that's that's three of the four teams in the NFC beast. The the fourth is one. Last undefeated team in the NFL won another won a close one yesterday against yeah. the Cardinals. Do you think the Eagles are cooling off a bit, or was this just kind of a one game thing? The Cardinals, we know, have the talent and the the potential. Kyler Murray, we talked about in that game against the Raiders, can can will you to a victory and do just about anything. Uh, do you are you worried? Not necessarily worried. They're still undefeated. They look yeah. very good. But do you think they're cooling off a little bit from that hot start? Little bit of an opportunity there to expose some of the cracks in the team. To show that this defense is not necessarily unbeatable, that you can rack up yak against them, that you can obviously somebody like Mary can scramble them into the submission, the way Hertz can scramble some opponents into submission, and shows that the def- that the offense the offense reverted a little bit to what it was la- last year for the Eagles, which was it's all wide receiver screens and scrambles, mm-hmm. and that formula doesn't beat a good team. So if the Eagles are going to go back to, oh, we're going to throw screen to Devontae. We're going to throw screen to Goddard. And we're going to run Hurts. They can't beat the Cowboys like that. They've got to do more than that. Now, the thing about that is, uh, you know, that was one week. It still was a win, and it wasn't necessarily a demonstration that this is all they have left. So part of it is I chalk it up to, okay, you go unfamiliar foe, going across into, the, into Arizona. You come away with a win. You don't look phenomenal. That's fine. On the other hand, this definitely gave them some things to put on tape that they have to look at and say, we've got to be better than this to beat the better teams in the NFL. Yeah, and I, the the offensive DVOA has declined each week of the each of the last 3 weeks, but they're still they've been top 11 in the league all 3 weeks. The defense has been top half of the league all 3 weeks. They were first last week in that game against Jacksonville, fifth in yes. week 3. Uh, I don't think there's any any reason to con- to any reason for concern. I don't really think anyone is worried about them. Um, we know it's the NFL. <laughs> Think, yeah. Things happen. You know, they're not most likely not going to go undefeated. I was trying right. to find the tweet I saw before we jumped on here that had all the odds listed, I think, for the their, the rest of their game. So who will be the first team to beat them? Because they've got the Cowboys at home coming up on Sunday night. But then they've got the Steelers at the Texans, Washington at home at the Colts, and then Green Bay at home. Um, if it's not the Cowboys, I don't know. It, I would say Green Bay obviously could do it. We saw the Colts beat the Chiefs uh, in Indy, and they will be in Indy. That's potentially. Um, but there's not a lot of really great teams on that list that you would, would want to bet on to beat them. Um, and then even after the Packers, the Titans, the Giants, the Bears, then the Cowboys again. Like the, And we talked about they had the easiest projected schedule, I believe, this year, right? They had the easiest schedule, and you're seeing that. You're seeing that now, especially when a team like the Cardinals that had a middle-of-the-pack projection turned out to not be a very good team. So you're seeing that the Eagles can reap those dividends. I, I have Eagles fan friends who would have been like, man, we should have lost against the Cardinals because then we come in roaring against the Cowboys, you know, because everything's storyline and drama. Well, this is the best of both worlds. You got the win, but you still didn't play well enough, so you're still going to come out roaring against the Cowboys yeah. the following week. Yeah, my, my bet there, I think, if I was going to make one, would be – on the Packers, um, it, it, so let's let me say if they get past the Cowboys yeah. this Sunday, I would kind of I would would wait to see that. But do you speaking of that kind of just pops up the question? Do you think the Cowboys are going to bring Dak back? Do you think they're they would bring him back at you know eighty percent versus one hundred percent because of this game against the Eagles Sunday night, or are you expecting Cooper Rush to be out there again and try and end the uh, the Eagles undefeated season? 
I said, I don't think Dak's at 80%. I think he's at closer to 90, 95%. And I think they're going to rock the drama all week. And Jerry Jones is going to be so proud that he can be part of the guy keeping the secret. And he's going to say all kinds of things on his radio show. But I have a feeling it's going to be Dak Prescott. I feel that he's ready. And I get the impression it was a little bit of a Cooper Rush wake-up call Against the against the Rams as well as the rest of the team played, it was very obvious that he was up on the uh, you know behind the wheel on his dad's lap going like this. And Micah Parsons and Tank Lawrence are pushing the car for them. Um, so I have a feeling we're going to see Dak, and I don't think they would rush Dak back at this point. But I don't think it's a matter of rushing. Yeah, and it's we've seen how good the defense is, and getting Dak back in there um, will propel, you know, make that offense. Cooper Rush obviously undefeated, but the offense hasn't been great uh, in terms yeah. of DVOA this year with him. So would be a, a big boost and would be huge to see him be in that Dak, that game time decision up until 90 minutes before kickoff yeah, and when they right. expected him and planned for him to play all week. But you could definitely right. see that happening. I mean, it, uh, teams do it to try and get a competitive advantage. I don't know how well that actually works, how much of an advantage you actually get because you imagine the, the Eagles uh, – professional organization a good team good coaches they're going to be prepared for yeah. anything and probably prepare for for Dak um right. as well so be interesting to see but yeah the Eagles fortune pretty have a pretty good schedule coming up so uh going to be a big one though Sunday night uh one of the biggest division rivalries there is so absolutely be really exciting moving on before we get to next week we do have one more game this week Monday night football Las Vegas Raiders seven and a half point underdogs at Kansas City it's got a 52 point total we kind of we came back down to earth last week on Monday night. Uh, didn't get a whole lot. I think Brandon Ayuk fell one short, one reception or a half reception short of getting his props. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I don't think got a single target. Um, I think we hit one or two of the ones that we gave you, out. But you hit, we hit Cooper Cup, and it was right. I think the number was two fifty one on uh, uh, Matt Stafford. And he came in at two fifty four. Oh, so, that. That's right. There was a play. It was like their second to last play. He almost mm-hmm. got sacked, held onto it, got a four yard, four or five yard yeah. completion that put he was one yard shy. And then the very next play, they just ran the ball to run out the clock. And I, I, I kept, I stayed up just to watch the end of that. And I was like, are you kidding me? And the thing is, I don't hate losing on a prop that demonstrates proof of process. Mm-hmm. Like the idea is like, well, we should go under on Matthew Stafford. And like everything about that game said going under was the right idea, yep. but then you lose by four yards on the final play. It demonstrates you're on the right track. Being on the right track makes you money in the long run. It may lose you money in the short run, but it makes you money in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And it, if they would have passed the ball again on that last play, I would have been all right. But the fact that they, were, they weren't going to win, they were conceding and just wanted to throw a pass. Maybe yeah. they had eyes on that total and yep. wanted to get Matthew Stafford over. Sean McVay maybe had a big payday. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's all about. I love it. Yeah, but to this game, Raiders-Chiefs, the Chiefs are 7-1 and one against the Raiders since Mahomes became the starter. They've won all but one by 7-plus, 5 of 7 by three scores, or three scores, averaging over 37 points, scored 40-plus in half of them, just have completely dominated. This is our lowest confidence spread pick of the week uh, by our, our model. Again, you can get access to those with an FL Plus subscription. We also have picks uh, straight up and picks on totals now. But it's our lowest confidence, but I'm going with the Chiefs minus seven. I had them minus seven. Seven and a half, obviously, is a, is big from seven to seven and a half. But I just – the Chiefs, I think they've dominated the Raiders. I don't see them uh, really being able to to keep uh, – maybe maybe score some points, but it's not going to be a close game, I don't think. What are, your, what are you thinking going into tonight? You know, I was thinking about saying, yeah, but this is a different Raiders team. But then I realized, are they? <laughs> they really – 
It's it's Derek Carr. Okay, now they have Devontae Adams, but they're not sure how to work him in. Mm-hmm. Defensively, it's still pretty much Max Crosby, and then cross your fingers that he got to the quarterback. Otherwise, it's a big game. Uh, the offense looks different. So I would lean towards the, the Chiefs because, again, everything you said, they, they, they dominate in this in this series. If I'm worried about the Chiefs' ability to defeat themselves, which I'm not, but if I was getting scared of that, I would not take the Raiders – plus seven, because I think if the Chiefs win, they're just going to dominate this game from start to finish. If the Chiefs mess up, it's going to be because they're tripping over themselves and muffing punts and, uh, you know, fourth and one doing the, the quintuple reverse instead of just going for it, etc. So I would lean Chiefs, but if you like the Raiders, consider the money line at plus 275 mm-hmm. and go for the, we're going to win outright, we're going to shock you and get all that juice instead of getting seven points you probably won't use. Yeah, and they did. They shocked them two years ago. I think early in the season, they came out one, like a forty to thirty-two or something like that, and ended up getting absolutely smoked in the second game. Uh, but one of those two is Travis Kelsey going, moving on to some of the props here, averaging seven for one hundred and one on nine and a half targets in all those eight games. Scored a touchdown of four of eight. He was held scoreless last year in two games against the Raiders, but they're only twenty-second against tight ends this year. His his lot when we were doing the betting show last week, when I was doing that with Tom Strachan on Thursday. The lines for Monday Night Football, the props weren't out yet, but Kelsey comes in today, 72 and a half yards. I like the over there. The consensus is 73 and a half. I think I would take that too. FanDuel had 72 and a half last. I took the anytime touchdown is minus 160. Um, so really not a lot there. But one when I looked at kind of pivoting, a, take a chance on first touchdown at plus 500 if you're wanting to, to get a little risky there. And, and don't like I don't like that minus 160 for anytime touchdown. Uh, but would take a chance on the first touchdown at plus 500. And then going with Kelsey, I'm going to go with Mahomes too. He's averaging over 318 passing yards against the Raiders. The consensus on this one is 279 and a half. Now he hasn't thrown for more than 262 since week one against Arizona. Nobody's thrown for more than 279 and a half against Las Vegas. I think Herbert got right at 279, but they're only 24th against the pass. So I would lean to take in Mahomes, or I think he gets to 300 in this one just because of the nature of the way their games go. That seems like they're, they put up a ton of points against them. Mahomes just has dominated them, like we said. So that's another one that I like there. And then I think uh, you mentioned Devontae Adams. The Chiefs only – they're 31st against wide receiver ones this season, only 20th against the pass overall. I was looking at the yardage and receptions here. Went with – I think I would go with the receptions. Uh, like the yards as well, but over six and a half, the Chiefs – Allowed eight receptions to Mike Evans last week, Michael Pittman Jr. the week before, Mike Williams as a wide receiver one in that Thursday game. Adams had nine last week, only five and two those two weeks prior. But in a get, you expect them to feature him and get him the ball as much as you can. I was reading an article earlier, like anytime they they are able to scheme and get a single coverage on Devontae, like Derek Carr is just going to find a way to get him the ball. So I think that in a game tonight where I expect them to have to throw the, the ball a ton. Adams has the 10th most targets this year. 13 and 10 the last two weeks. And then the t- Adams anytime touchdown is plus 105. So that's a little more palatable there. The Chiefs have allowed 10 passing touchdowns, which is tied for fourth most. Those other teams, though, have played five games. The Chiefs were tied for most heading into week five. So Devon- I think Devontae Adams is just going to be a big part tonight. They're going to just try and force him the ball. What's the over for Devontae Adams? It's eight and a half is the number? Six and a half receptions. Oh, six and a half. I'll go over that. Go yeah. over that. You're, you're exactly right because they're going to scheme up opportunities. That's not what they did last week where he was having a hard time getting open against Sertain, was playing mm-hmm. a heck of a game. 
and and they just schemed up. Like, hey, you're going to go in motion. You're going to catch a, a hitch, and we're going to get you that ball. And I love the Travis Kelsey one as well. They're going to be covering Travis Kelsey with, like, Divine Diablo, yeah. <laughs> who I believe is one of the characters from the Sandman miniseries on Netflix. <laughs> Divine Diablo. I've seen this young man. He should be an edge rusher. They seem to think he's a safety. There's going to be opportunities all over the field for Travis Kelsey. So, I, I, especially the yardage one, I love that for Kelsey. Yeah. I think the other one of the when I was doing an underdog. Speaking of again, guys out there that are watching, uh, don't forget to you can get a free hundred dollars uh, deposit match up to one hundred dollars using promo code Outsiders. One of the other ones I think I had had four in there. I was going to try and go five, but uh, Derek Carr they have his pass attempts at thirty eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's hit that in three or four this year, or very close to it in three or four. Uh, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Sometimes there the underdog ones are a little bit higher than you see on like Fanduel. Uh, okay. Like I think. Um, Kelsey was at like 80 and a half yards maybe instead of 72 and a half. Uh, but so those are good ones. And those are kind of the ones I was leaning was the Mahomes, uh, Devonte Adams, Kelsey, and then Carr's pass attempts over. And you mentioned Patrick Sertain as well, that matchup last week. We had a really good article. I forget who wrote it. Um, Klassen. Derek Klassen, which uh, wrote an article about how he's the best cornerback in the game right now and was actually tweeted out by the Denver Broncos, uh, <laughs> which was really cool to see them. Uh, getting some of that work featured with uh, the teams. And we had one with uh, DeAndre Swift a few weeks ago where he led the league in, in DYR, I think, for a week. And they tweeted that, quote tweeted the graphic. So really cool to see, again, some of those stats and uh, articles you all can get with an FO Plus subscription. Uh, a lot of teams taking notice, and obviously we're very trusted in the industry. So really cool to see see those kind of things picked up on by the NFL teams. Um But that covers Monday Night Football. We're going to move into some of our own awards that we do, our winners of the week. We stuck with losers of the week this week as well, but we'll start with winner of the week. Mike, I'll let you. I've been talking a lot here the last few minutes with the Monday Night Football. So I'm going to take a break and let you talk about your winner of the week from week five. I forget who I picked. I remember who I picked. I picked two people. First of all, the much maligned, often made fun of at Football Outsiders, Taysom Hill. Running back slash wide receiver slash tight end slash quarterback slash kick returner slash personal protector slash kick gunner slash ticket taker slash head coach and general manager of the New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill was back in his wildcat role with Andy Dalton, the quarterback, scored two touchdowns rushing, kind of took over the game, just running quarterback power from a wildcat power plays from a direct snap. Also threw a touchdown pass against the Seahawks and like, that's what you know if you look at the line score. If you remember the play where the punter, Michael Dixon of the Seahawks, runs what looks like a fake but wasn't a fake, but just sort of runs sideways for a while and forgets to punt and then just runs forward and gets tackled and fumbles, mm-hmm. Taysom Hill recovers that fumble. Taysom Hill is out there gunning on the kicks, making plays like that, returning kickoffs. He had a fumble on a returned kickoff, but they're out of guys. He was out there doing it and playing quarterback probably better than Andy Dalton and uh, Jameis Winston. So we love making fun of him, but man, he really, uh, he's the reason that the saints are now two and three and why they beat the Seahawks yesterday. And I've got a second one. And this is, this is a left tackle for the Los Angeles chargers rookie Jamari sailor. So the, the chargers lost for Sean Slater a couple weeks ago look like they're in deep trouble. Their, their typical backup was Storm Norton, who left tackle, right tackle, is kind of a turnstile, really hasn't been a, an effective player at either position for a couple of years now. They took Saylor, who was starting at guard, moved him to left tackle as a rookie. I think, I think he's a fourth, third, fourth, fifth-round pick. Move him to left tackle, put Zion Johnson, their first-round pick at guard, and 
Sale had phenomenal couple of games here. He, and he he almost shut out. He was facing Garrett. Miles Garrett was facing Clowney a little bit too. Pretty much shuts out the Browns yeah. edge rushers. And that, and that creates an opportunity for the Chargers now. Two wins since he took over at left tackle. So he gets a win and Taysom gets a win. Yeah. Taysom Hill, you mentioned he actually had three rushing touchdowns in addition to that passing touchdown. Was a big winner for a lot of people in daily fantasy. Saw him in some lineups there, just kind of a cheat code at tight end. We've got just football guy extraordinaire Taysom Hill. And I believe he was the one they ran the the, the fourth and like two. It was a fake punt where he got the ball back in the playoff game against Philly a couple years right. ago. That first round they won, that kind of was a spark plug. So just uh, like you said, kind of gets made fun of around here a lot, but uh, came up really big. And my winner of the week, is Gabe Davis, receiver for Buffalo Bills. There were questions about his ankle. He had a quiet last two weeks. He missed week two. Um, a lot of limited practice over the last couple weeks. I think five total, three or five total catches. Logged some full practices this week, and he came out and started that game off with a bang. The Bills, I think, fumbled the opening kickoff, ended up with the ball at their own two, yeah. got to third and ten at their own two, and took it 98-yard catch and run on the first drive for a touchdown. Only had three catches, uh, but made the most of them with that 98-yarder, and then had that 62-yard touchdown catch where I thought the defender had the ball, and at the replay it looked like he did, and Gabe Davis just wrestled the ball away from him as they were running with it for a couple steps or backing up. So he had a big game. Uh, unfortunately, actually uh, went against my gut and benched him in fantasy, oh. thinking Drake London was going to have a big game and just get forced the ball. Still won without it, though, so 30 points on the bench and still win in the home league. So uh, I wasn't too mad when I checked my score and saw still got the win. But yeah, Gabe Davis also – winner of the week this week. So switching over to the other side, the bad side, loser of the week. Matt Rule's the obvious pick. We already talked about him. I'm going to go with Jerome Boger. His roughing the passer call against Atlanta was absolutely horrible. Again, was a little upset because I thought the Falcons were going to get the ball back. Drake London's going to get me some points there. But for those of you watching, if you didn't see or don't know what happened, Falcons were down six, 303 left in the game. Grady Jarrett sacked Tom Brady at the Tampa 43 on third and five. Coming up going to be Fourth and 15, Falcons going to get the ball back just under three minutes left after the punt. However, Jerome Boger throws a roughing the passer flag, giving Tampa Bay a first down. The Buccaneers subsequently run out the clock with another first down just before the two-minute warning. Falcons did have a chance to stop him again, but Boger said that Jarrett unnecessarily threw him to the ground. And if you watched it, everyone watching knew it was a bogus call. It was a football play. Wrapped him up and just kind of, as he was going down, kind of swung this way and right. – and threw him to the ground and and I read the article on ESPN today saying some of the coach Todd Bowles and those guys saying, you know, after the Tua thing, a lot of you know, think that maybe they're looking out for that a little bit more. And, and, you know, you got to know they're going to make those calls, but that was just an ugly one. Like I said, everyone that I saw on Twitter, all over social media, everywhere thought that that was a bad call. So got to do better on that really could have changed the outcome of the game. I don't expect the Falcons would have driven down the field to score, but You'd like to see him get the chance at least. So really rough one there. Uh, it's my loser of the week for week five. How about you? Yeah, that, then that was, that was an absolutely rough call. I've, I've never, I've not seen anything positive about it. Yeah. And that's unusual. Um, and you don't, you don't really protect players by being random when you're in your officiating. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's like, oh, oh, it's random. Then I don't know what I can do. Then you get guys will just like toss people out of bounds and all. So yeah, he's a veteran. You, th- he seems to be always, you know, never be in the news for anything bad like that. So you would expect something, uh, expect a little bit better from him. That's right. That's right. Um, by the way, Chris Bork asks, uh, Thielen, this is, uh, we don't do a lot of fantasy on the show. Uh, Thielen for B Rob and Tony. Are you talking about Brian Robinson, Chris Bork? Yeah. I'll ask you that. And we can come back to that question. Uh, 
my loser of the week, Dan Campbell. If Dan Campbell is the tough guy, culture changing coach that uh, that he claims to be, then you win with a third string against a third string quarterback. Like this is the opportunity to go out and get the easy win that a year a team in year two of its program that got all kind of buzz early in the season because of their close losses and like one win against the Commanders. This yep. was your opportunity to come out and show that you really have made this team good enough that they can beat Bailey Zappi. And not only do the Lions lose, but they get embarrassed 29-0. They make horrendous decisions on fourth down, not just the play calls and not getting them, but some of – I mean, fourth and nine, you cannot justify to me that that was some kind of great analytical decision to run out there and throw a pass on fourth and nine with a 6 nothing, uh trailing 6 nothing. And it's just sort of underscored the lie. Dan Campbell, he's charming. We love the shtick. We lo- he's a wonderful character, but he's really demonstrating that this is who he is as a head coach. Yeah, and going to go back to uh, the fantasy question there, too. You're talking about Adam. Adam Thielen's been pretty involved. Um, I've been high on the Minnesota Vikings offense all year. Kadarius Toney uh, been injured. I don't even think. I think he was out again. Um I wasn't really high on him coming into the year, and a lot of people were, but just can't really stay healthy, it seems. Um, Brian Robinson, a a lot of people were really high on him. It seemed like he was going to be the lead back until the unfortunate incident where he was uh, carjacking, whatever, got shot in the leg uh, right before the regular season started. Came back, though. Wasn't great. Um, He was just looking and had nine carries, 22 yards, I think was on a bit of a snap count, but no one on Washington uh, running back, so the Antonio Gibson had three carries for six yards. Robinson didn't have any 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 targets. Uh, McKissick is a big pass down back there, but yeah. I mean Adam Thielen's on a much better offense than Brian Robinson, and we talked about the Giants' offense uh, kind of runs through Saquon Barkley. So I would 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 definitely consider that if you're getting him. Also depends on who else is on there, but uh, I'll tell you too to follow up and watch uh, the the Discord channel we have. I see. Uh, we responded there to be there. And then also our fantasy embedding show that Tom Strachan and I do on Thursday, uh, where we cover every game and talk about all these players um, and can, can cover that as well. So Thielen's had some good games. Like I said, he, he only had, uh, he had four catches for 27, but had eight catches the week before, six the week before, 72, 61 yards and a touchdown. So been pretty good. And I think just he's he's on the, the better offense and has that rapport with Kirk Cousins as well. Yeah, I think Thielen's on the downside of his career, but I don't know where that's going. Brian Robinson will be the short yardage back there, but I don't know how many short yardage opportunities he's going to get because it's a bad offense overall. And I don't know what Tony's role will ever be because they want him to be this weird slash guy. They don't have it there. But it does look like we opened the floodgates up for fantasy questions. And again, we haven't done the fantasy. I'm not a fantasy guy. Uh, Ian has not done the fantasy research yet because it's got a really – you know, all the numbers have to get collated. Injury reports mm-hmm. get brought in. So when, again, Ian, are those fantasy shows? Fantasy show, we record on Thursday afternoon. Uh, the Thursday night football uh, show will go out before the game, and then everything else goes out on Friday and throughout the weekend. But we cover every game. The full podcast goes up as well. So Thursday is when we record, and it's up Thursday and into Friday. That's nice. And that's with Tom, Tom Strachan, yeah, right? Tom Strachan. So be on the lookout for that. He also has a uh, DFS article that goes out on – Thursday morning, Wednesday night or Thursday morning, I believe, some of the best plays uh, if you're into DFS as well. So a lot of good stuff there. But we'll now move into the coaching decisions, the best and the worst that we cover each week. Uh, Starting with the best, Mike, I'll let you go ahead and take the stage for this one. What was your best coaching decision this week? Okay, 49ers are leading, I believe, with 16 to 7 or 16 to 10. In the third quarter, fourth and two, 
somewhere in Panthers territory. They decide to go for it. It's around the 43-yard line. I can't find my notes right now. Yep. Carolina 43, I just got I believe, right here. Beautiful. Carolina 43-yard line, fourth and two. They don't convert. They make the play, they don't convert, but they get the flag. They get a pass interference flag. It's obviously a situation where the uh, the defender comes up and kind of roughs the uh, receiver. He's there too early, roughs the receiver in a short pass along the right sideline. That continues the drive. You know, there's so much. I, I was on radio, and like, there's so much fourth down talk right now. Everything's yep. fourth down talk. We're talking about Staley. I don't want to talk about Staley. We're talking about Campbell. I already talked about Campbell. Um, the, the Ravens, my head will explode. But on that one, this is a great example of you've got a little bit of win probability breathing room as it is because you've got this lead and you're looking to sort of dagger the Panthers. Do it and take this opportunity. And that, and that's what the 49ers did. And we always forget that the flag is a legitimate way of getting that first down. Yeah. Okay, that and that's a common way of getting the first down. There's a lot of different on a passing play, in particular hold defensive holding, roughing the passer. You don't want that, but sometimes it happens. These are ways you can get that first down, and that's what the 49ers did. Yeah, and mine is a similar. Uh, the team lost, and it's actually someone that we just talked about earlier, kind of in a a little bit of a negative light, asking if he's going to make it through the season. But Ron Rivera, okay. uh, Washington had fourth and one at their own twenty. They're down four with three fifty-five left in the fourth. He chose to go for it. Now, he could have punted in this situation. I think a lot of coaches do. Still had two timeouts plus a two-minute warning. They just forced Tennessee into punting the last two possessions and four of the five second-half possessions. They had a, a touchdown drive but punted on the first two, went touchdown, and punted two more times. But Tennessee did convert a fourth and two on the Washington 42 on the first punt drive or the two drives prior. So had to believe that Vrabel, if given the opportunity, was going to go for it to just close the game out, run out the clock. Rivera uh, being uh, fairly aggressive, he's kind of had his moments, but having that mindset himself, which is how that kind of stuff can help you, not only you choosing to go for it, but uh, you know if you're a useless stuff on defense, knowing the other coach is going to go for it, you can prepare for that defensively. But here, him saying, hey, if they're in a similar situation, he's probably going to go for it again. We might not touch the ball again. We've got to take a chance and go for it. Um, so this was a big decision, ended up being, I think, the fourth best of the weekend, or top three. Um, at 8.2%, uh, they converted, got two yards, obviously did not win the game, uh, but was a big decision, a big decision, uh, enabled them to keep the ball and keep on going. So give Ron Rivera his credit where it's due. And he said, known as Riverboat Ron over the last few years, we've kind of said, uh, the nickname, he doesn't, his actions didn't really fit the nickname anymore, right. but he does have his, his moments. And this was a good one from him. We'll switch over to the worst coaching decisions. Uh, yours came from the last game of the weekend, I believe, right? Yeah, and a lot of people watching it were dumbfounded as the Bengals move all the way in the short scoring position, get the ball down to the goal line, and then run the worst Philly special I've ever seen, except if like Joe Judge ever tried to come up with one. They run this like double reverse play in which Burrow takes the ball and just starts jogging to the right and pitches it to Jamar Chase to start this you know double reverse thing where they're going to pitch it to Boyd, and Boyd's going to try to throw it to Burrow. But, you know, Burrow is already running like he's going to go run a route. So all the defenders on the left side of the Ravens formation are like, ooh, trick play, trick play, trick play, and they just sort of stay put. So by the time Boyd gets the ball, he's like, uh, my quarterback's not open. The dude in the back of the end zone is not open. No one's fooled. And Marcus Peters just storms up and, and wallops him. <laughs> then they get back down to the goal line again. I think they got another play in between. And they run a shovel pass that's just so poorly timed and poorly conceived. This is an offensive line that you can't necessarily count on. 
you know, they're, they're getting beaten inside a lot. They're getting beaten off the snap count a lot. So by the time Burrow's trying to throw this shovel pass, there's already defenders surrounding his target. He's just like, <laughs> and he kind of heave hose it and it just, it just falls incomplete. And that sequence of plays, like, can we just use Joe Mixon? Can we just use Jamar Chase? I mean, Lyle Collins isn't having a phenomenal year, but if you run directly behind Lyle Collins and he goes straight forward in a straight line, you're probably going to get a yard. You know, you have a lot of things you can do here. Two little gadgety noodle plays by Zach Taylor cost the Bengals the game. Yeah, and we that ended up being on a fourth down. We agreed with the decision to go for it, uh, but a lot of times we don't necessarily agree with the play calling. Uh, like you said, a lot of times that can work where you get creative and get cute with a play where they don't see it coming. But your chances are better typically with using your workhorse like Joe Mixon, who did have his struggles at the, the goal line last week. I think he had like six goal line attempts, only scored once. Uh, but you've just got so many weapons there uh, to, to not get the ball in their hands sometimes. It's pretty questionable. Right. And, and like the teams, like the Chiefs run the shovel a lot. They run it well. Mm-hmm. There's, there's probably fun. I don't remember the Bengals running the shovel, <laughs> the shovel pass yeah. before. So it I, didn't look like they had a high degree of confidence in the play. So you run your best plays at the goal line there. And those were not their best plays. Those were a couple of plays where like, hey, here's something we dreamed up during at midweek. Let's go give them a, a, a shot. And two of them in succession cost them the game. Yeah, and the Chiefs, you mentioned a lot of times when they run that, it is with Travis Kelsey, who right. we know knows how to get in the end zone. This one, uh, the play-by-play, play, I didn't see that play, actually. I didn't see a lot of the night game, but play-by-play play says it was Stanley Morgan, who what? that was his first target of the year. So really smart play there. I was, like, trying in my head, like, who was that? That wasn't Hurst. Uh, that wasn't Ossie Ossie. Like, who was – it was Stanley – it was – not Stanley Morgan Jr. That's not a thing, but Stanley Morgan, the guy who's been hanging around the bench. Brilliant. That's that's the guy. That's your bell cow at the yep. goal line. Some great, great thinking, Zach Taylor. Yeah, I saw S. Morgan. I'm like, I'd, I'm not familiar with this name either. And I'm looking and then clicked on it. Yeah, one target. But my worst decision is two guys as well. You had two winners. Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur for very similar situations. So okay. we remember, we try not to remember that Thursday night game, but potentially the worst game ever. Uh, absolutely ugly. But Denver needed one yard in overtime. It's fourth and one at the Indy 5. Uh, Russ's pass falls incomplete in the end zone to end the game. They they ran it on third and two, only got one yard. I'm not necessarily calling for another run here, but you don't have to get into the end zone. There's still over two minutes left in this game. Call your right. best play to pick up the first down, then you get four shots at the end zone instead of just one. And Green Bay's was similar. They had third and one at the Giants' six. Yeah. Down seven with a minute 11 left. Rodgers threw two straight passes that were batted down at the line of scrimmage. Now, in this game, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon got 19 carries total after averaging 26-plus the first four weeks. I was watching. Part of the reason I was upset they didn't give the ball to Dillon is because I had him in a same-game parlay to get in the end zone uh, and needed a little overtime help. I missed out on two of, like, nine. Uh, and it was A.J. Dillon to score and Romeo or Alan Lazard receiving yards. But anyway, in that situation, give the ball to Dillon to bulldoze forward for one yard. Or he could even score on that play. And then like Denver, you give yourself four shots at the end zone from the five. I like my chances with Rodgers getting four shots at the end zone. Even if they don't pick it up on third down, though, you still have fourth and one to try it again. Whether it was LaFleur's call or Rodgers, I think that was a bad decision. And you've just you've got to – I think there's just more value in getting the first down there, especially with Green Bay having two shots at it. Now, I do applaud Nathaniel Hackett for going for it instead of kicking the field goal to right. tie it and then play for – 
basically play for the tie and hope that they don't score. Uh, but not the greatest decisions situationally, I thought. Well, I wanted the tie because I wanted the Colts to have two ties. That was <laughs> personally. Uh, but particularly in the Packers situation, you should be looking at this and saying, we are should be physically better team than the Giants. Like we are man for man, body for body, should be able to win. In that case, you should be able to run for that one yard. Yeah. Run for that one yard. Or get to, again, get two, get three. And you're right. Reset your options there close to the goal line. So that was one, that was a very questionable decision by the floor. Yeah, and Aaron Jones at averaged 4.8 yards a carry. A.J. Yeah. Dillon had averaged 5.7 on six. So they were running the ball well in this game, just not as much as I think I saw they had uh, – Rodgers had 20 more attempts than uh, – passing attempts than Dillon and Jones had, and that's just not their game this year. Right. Um, it is they, they run the ball a lot more. But in that situation, you've, you've got to run that, I think. So yeah. – Tough one, tough loss, but a lot of football left to play for those of you. If your team lost, your team won. Uh, you're looking pretty good. Uh, so we will see what happens, but that does it for this week's show. Before we go, though, I want to remind you again, you can get a free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. Even in states where traditional prop betting isn't available, you can use some of those picks we did to go for that pick them, do some higher or lower, and try, and try and win some money there. They'll match your deposit up to $100, again, using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats articles. You get that ad-free experience, and you get access to all of the data, even the data that's free. You get access to that on Monday, today, instead of having to wait till tomorrow. So a lot of advantages you have there for betting uh, or for your own personal use looking at shows uh, if you guys are, are looking, or media professionals, things like that. And then last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game as well as some uh, fantasy conversation as well. They'll be on there tonight during the game. Again, between the Raiders and the Chiefs should be an exciting one. There's been a lot of scoring there in that series, especially from the Chiefs since Mahomes has taken over. So, Mike, it's been a pleasure, as always, talking to you. Thanks for joining. Uh, enjoy tonight's game. Hopefully we win some money again. <laughs> let's do it, and let's go Travis Kelsey over. Absolutely. Absolutely.